Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, bakers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, star crunch, cosmic cupcakes, cosmic brownies, nutty bars, and much more. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio and fans around the galaxy. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content from Star Wars Episode 7: The Force Awakens, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. Rebel Force Radio presents... Star Wars Oxygen. The music of John Williams. This is Red 5, I'm going in. Like Star Wars itself, the music in the film defied conventional wisdom. At a time when disco was burning up the charts, having a traditional symphonic soundtrack was another huge risk on Lucas's part. He really understood the genre that I was talking about. It's a group of composers that weren't that well looked upon in the 70s. There was a different attitude toward the old-fashioned symphonic and the scores. And I had a lot of music in the movie. Hey, Star Wars fans, Jimmy Mack here with you, and welcome again to Star Wars Oxygen, the music of John Williams. This is volume 33 of Rebel Force Radio's monthly look and listen to the work of the maestro in all seven films of the Star Wars saga. And the man who makes it all possible each and every time is our good friend, musician, actor, host of the Star Wars Celebration Galaxy Stage, it's David Collins. Hey, Jimmy Mack and Star Wars and music aficionados. Welcome to volume 33 of Star Wars Oxygen, the music of John Williams. Jimmy, this show is uh, is going to be moving into episode three very, very soon and finishing that up. But today we are going to look at our spreadsheet. Of course, this spreadsheet that I've been keeping of all the theme appearances uh, from The Force Awakens and all the other movies. Uh, that's finally done. And we're going to be wrapping up some uh, Force Awakens little odds and ends here and there. And also looking at some uh, listener feedback and just talking a little bit about the music uh, of Star Wars, not just from The Force Awakens, but just anything that is on the listener's mind. We're going to cover a little bit this hour and just kind of have a good time talking about the music we all know and love from Star Wars. Perfect, because a lot of people listening to the show realize that... You know, we didn't really finish our episode three coverage and no. we've been wanting to come back to it, but there was just so much happening with The Force Awakens by the end of 2015. We couldn't resist it. The pull yeah. toward the dark side was too great. So we <laughs> abandoned episode three, but we're not forgetting you guys. We love episode three and we want to come back and complete our analysis now, and review of all the, the music from that film. But we're still trucking along with The Force Awakens. I don't know about you, David, but... I have not uh, been continuing my my regular viewing of that film. I finally exhausted it to the point where I saw it 500 times on my tablet, on TVs, uh, everywhere I could see it, standing in line at the store, watching on my phone. I finally got to the point where I could kind of let go a little bit. So I'm happy that we're still continuing to talk about it because I, I think I need a little... Uh, a, a TFA spark again. I, I need to get myself back on the the rails here and and really start getting my head back into the Force Awakens. Well, it's funny. I I was going through when I was finishing my spreadsheet and I was watching it again. Uh, and of course, I do that very slowly and I'm constantly rewinding it. 
Someone tweeted at me that, hey, you should really watch it with the subtitles on because some of your improvs with Sam Witwer, current, or, or you know, uh, regular RFR guest Sam Witwer, were subtitled. So some of our talk about T-17s and some of the stuff like in the hangar, if you turn on the subtitles, it's all there. No. Yeah. Oh, and so great. then, then I, I got, you know, I got the Star Wars feels all over again and I, I've watched it, uh, I think maybe another one and a half times after that, you know, I just, I have it on my phone. I've got it, you know, I've got it on Blu-ray. I've got it here on my iTunes account when I'm working uh, in my studio and I just kind of pop, pop it on usually after listening to the soundtrack a little bit and, and, uh, you know, listening for things. And of course I've got the piano book on the piano and I'm struggling my way through those crazy chords that John Williams does like no one else. Um, and you know, just having a great time with it. Um, you know, and, and I'm glad this is the first new John Williams star Wars movie we've had obviously in, in, uh, 10 years. And, um, I, I'm hoping we get more, but I just really wanted to celebrate it. It's interesting. You said that we abandoned episode three. I like to think of it like this for our listeners. I know you're kidding, but I like to say, you know, we don't want to shortchange episode three. So rather than rush through it, we're going to put it aside and do it right and come back to it. And so that's how what we've earmarked the fall for. It's all about uh, episode three. And uh, then we'll be talking about Rogue One, like we mentioned in the last volume. Yes, yes. And, and you know what? Also, I think we'll probably find time to spotlight certain tracks here and there that we may have spoken about before, but haven't really been able to dig deep into. So right. we got that going for us, too. Right. So I wanted to answer just a little bit of listener feedback. Thank you all for the tweets and the emails and all that. I have a couple that that deal with The Force Awakens, but also with other movies as well. Um, and uh, we have an, an email here from Kyle. And Kyle says, Hi, Jimmy and David. First of, all, first of all, thanks for all the hard work you do with Star Wars Oxygen. I absolutely love it. Thanks, Kyle. Um, my apologies if this was already brought up on the show, but I came across something interesting while watching The Phantom Menace. Stop me if you've heard this before, Jimmy, but I don't think we've talked about this. But when mm -hmm. uh, Kyle writes, when Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Padme, and Jar Jar are landing on Tatooine, you seem to hear a phrase of what eventually becomes Kylo Ren's theme. I attach the MP3. It's interesting to me that this phrase later appears as Kylo Ren's theme as he is also landing on a desert planet. Hmm. Let me know what you think. Keep up the great work. May the force be with you, Kyle, in Ohio. Thanks, Kyle. Um, do you know? Do you know what Kyle's talking about here? When when they first land on Tatooine, when the Queen's uh, uh, the Nubian class uh, ship lands on uh, on Naboo, you hear this kind of ominous horn line. Did we talk about this? You know, I don't recall if we did because we keep getting so many emails about this. A lot. If we did talk about it before, I, I think it it's worth us talking about it again. You you of course are talking about that great uh, visual effects shot. Of, of the Queen's starship landing outside Mos Espa yes. in the Phantom Menace. And it kicks up a bunch of sand as it lands, and you hear the, the, the engines wind down, and there's some great John Williams music there, which a lot of people are saying, boy, this sure sounds like the foundation of Kylo Ren's theme. Yeah. Here, let me play a little bit, uh, a little bit for you here. Here it is, right here.
So that is from a track on the uh, episode one Phantom Menace Ultimate Edition called The Arrival at Tatooine. Mm-hmm. I'll play the uh, piece part in question again here. Right. Yeah, I, I see what they're saying. Uh, I see what he's saying for sure. Um, it's got that kind of, where is it? Yeah, it just kind of does this descending line. It's it's a little different than, uh, I suppose if you were to do it here, you'd have to be uh, here, right? Right. Um, it, but it's got that kind of same ominous feeling. And I think what, what uh, Kyle is referring to is that it kind of triggers a little emotional dread in you, doesn't it, Jimmy? Yeah, you use the word ominous. And that's such a perfect definition for this type of music. You know, it's just like textbook. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just John Williams trying to conjure up uh, adventure or a little foreboding, you know, because you can't take her there. That's, you know, the, the huts are gangsters, blah, blah, blah. You know, this this whole idea of they're, they're taking royalty and they've escaped this uh, blockade and now they're, they're on the, some backwater planet. We don't know what we're going to find there. And maybe... Because we are familiar with Tatooine already, having already seen the, the movie, you know, at least that this could be part of John Williams' process. Again, as always with this show, Jimmy, we're speculating because we're not John Williams. But, you know, Tatooine was very familiar to us when, uh, when they were making The Phantom Menace in 1999. And if you treat it with a little foreboding and treat it as a dangerous place musically, then you are reinforcing that it's a dangerous place for our characters, potentially. Certainly no place for a, for a young queen uh, and her bodyguards and handmaidens and, and Jar Jar and a bunch of droids and a couple of Jedi. I mean, like, you know, they don't know what they're going to find here. And I think that's what he was trying to convey. And, you know, I go back to what John Williams said, um, you know, in the special features of The Force Awakens with Kylo Ren, you know... He just really wanted to convey in five notes, one, two, three, four, five, just uh, a quick shorthand recognition for enter the villain, right? Um, it's almost vaudevillian in a way, um, you know, just a really, really fast motif similar to what, you know, what he did with uh, Darth Vader, right? Um, you just kind of know uh, right away that that's the villain. And I think that um, he probably went back to a similar... I don't want to say bag of tricks that cheapens it, but a similar um, methodology for just trying to very quickly uh, trigger an emotion and uh, trigger an emotion in us as audience members and listeners. Um, but the connection's pretty clear, don't you think? Uh, in terms of why we've gotten so many emails about this, I mean, I, I noticed it when watching the Phantom Menace recently as well. Yeah, but my question is, David, do you find any obvious connection between the two? Are we supposed to? jump to a conclusion that one is supposed to be playing off the other, or is it just Williams going toward those, those modes that he knows works for star Wars? That's a great question. Um, I, I think that it, there's, I think that the, especially because, you know, um, George didn't direct the force awakens. I think it would be really, really hard to make a case for, Oh, they knew all along that Kylo Ren's theme would eventually come out of the landing at Tatooine. Right. <laughs> I think if anything, it's a neat coincidence and it actually, um, 
reminds me of another fan email that we got that kind of drives this point home where you find these similarities. And we've talked about this before. You find similarities in John Williams, not just within Star Wars, but in, you know, throughout different scores. You know, you hear him kind of almost quote himself, whether intentionally, like in the case of E.T. at Halloween, he quotes Yoda's theme or unintentionally, um, you know, you hear a little bit of crossover here and there between films, especially when they were written in the same period. Uh, we talked about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets versus Attack of the Clones was a great example. Um, I think E.T. and Empire have that quite a bit. Um, but I have an email here, and I believe it's yeah, it's from uh, from Christoph. And Christoph writes, uh, I'm a big fan of Rebel Force Radio Oxygen podcasts, and I'm listening to them in Poland. Thank you so much. Wonderful stuff. I also attended the Star Wars Celebration in Europe. In Europe. I was lucky to attend uh, the presentation, the restored music of the Empire Strikes Back, which we played on the last volume. Um, but he was looking at Ray's theme and he said, um, I, I got the sequence of notes and he just writes A-C-E-A-D-E, which, you know, he just means, uh, right. Um, and then he goes, now when we change it slightly, swapping it two sounds, we have, um, um, which, which may easily ring the bell of Harry Potter's, uh, Hedwig's theme, you know. You know, he's saying that they're kind of linked. And then he goes on to say, well, you can also do it with uh, with uh, Mark Grisky's uh, Sith Tomb theme from Knights of the Old Republic 2. And I I'm, I'm apologize to Mark. He's a friend of mine. And I don't even remember this theme. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, and then you can do it with Darth Sidious's theme. Right. Right. So they're all kind of linked, but are they linked story wise or is it just, you know, that is such a uh, a really emotionally almost palpable uh, musical phrase, you know, using this kind of minor key and then, you know, and then flat flattening the uh, that note like that. And in the case of uh, the ship landing, you know, um, I don't know. I think I think it's just coincidence. Sorry, it's probably the longest way to say it. Yeah, I don't see any connection, any relation between the two different pieces. It's just John Williams going to his old bag of tricks again. And uh, I don't, you know, I'm not saying that he's he's being redundant or repetitive. I just think that there are just certain sounds that work for certain moments in Star Wars. And sometimes they bear similarity to something that preceded it. Yeah, I will, though, to kind of counterbalance that and to um, kind of uh, give some some credit to this email from Christoph from Poland is that John Williams also talked about writing Star Warsian music. And I think that that means that there are certain things that he always does. Uh, for example, the melodies, you know, oftentimes um, have big interval leaps. You know, that's, that's an octave and a half spread there. Uh, sometimes they do, you know, or what's the, you know, uh, They do big leaps back and forth. You know, they're big, wide melodies for these big, soaring melodies. And then I think one of the other bag of tricks for Star Wars is that there is a similar sort of dark side energy. You know, um, he uses a similar language. And I think that that language has been tapped more than once. And I think that that's what uh, that's what we're picking up on here. But great yeah. email. Really good. Really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't re recall if we did talk about that before. It was, it was pretty brief. 
Um, yeah. A lot of people have been reaching out to us about the similarities between the music used in that scene, the landing on Tatooine, compared to Kylo's. Definitely a uh, uh, an interesting thing to point out, um, and definitely fun to talk about this kind of stuff. Uh, this one's slightly different, and this is from Mike from San Diego, California. Uh, it's called Unique Version of the Force Theme Melody. On the track, The Emperor Arrives, The Death of Yoda, Obi-Wan's Revelation medley, at, at 2 minutes 50 seconds, we hear the Force Theme. Uh, this is from Return of the Jedi. The melody itself is the same, but the backing chords are different and give it a much more epic, grand, and yet sad sound. Uh, the second chord in the movement that kicks in around 257 and the second resolving chord at 306 give this familiar theme a much different feeling. Interesting. Well, uh, let's take a listen. Um, I brought this up here and he said, what did he say? The two minute 50 second, uh, mark here. Let's just go to around there. So this is when Luke is talking to Yoda. Here it comes right here. So then it goes into Yoda's theme there. Um, how does that one make you feel when you hear that version of the Force theme? How does it make me feel? How does it make you feel? How fear you? <laughs> Called, sir. You know, this, it's just like, you know, a, a very sort of melancholy version of the uh, Force Awakens or the, <laughs> the Force theme. Yeah. Um, how does it make me feel? Ironically, um, the Force is going to sleep at that point. That's instead of awakening. It's, it, you know... It does kind of have a little lullaby feel to it. Uh, I would I would play it for a sleeping baby. Oh, I was um, going to say a funeral, <laughs> more of a funeral, kind of like a, you know. You know, it definitely has this kind of vibe. You know, it's really heavy chords. Yes. Um, I don't know. Um, anyway, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely got, I mean, the, the gentle horn is is kind of coming out there. But it to me, it feels really um, heavy. Here it is again. You know, big chords underneath, really blocky, you know. Really just like stated very plainly, you know, and heavily, you know, it's just very plotting, yeah. sort of like, you know, it's just, and then it goes to, you know, and then uh, what does it do? It goes into, I believe, this kind of thing, this kind of uh, F sustained thing. Um, so yeah, I think it's I, it's actually the chords are actually very similar uh, in terms of um, the actual song, you know. But I think it's just stated in a different way to answer the question. So for example, usually when you have the force theme, you have this kind of like you get this kind of like. Um, Right, it's very kind of um, just mellow, or it's kind of broken up, or what they call arpeggiated, you know. Um, but in this case, it's just like he's just like blocky, like here. It feels like a funeral to me. That's really what it is. You know, it's this kind of like really just big, big uh, chords here, and I think that that's what it does it, and it leads me to this kind of. Um, thing about John Williams in general that he's really brilliant at and um, not something we haven't really touched on the show that much is 
how he um how he does how he like takes something really simple like Jimmy you could hum Yoda's theme for example right you know right I mean you could, anyone can hum Yoda's theme if they're a Star Wars fan right Jimmy's just ba da da dum ba ba bum yes but the interesting thing about what what John Williams does is that he doesn't you know he doesn't treat the same melody the same way often you know he'll he'll kind of change it up to kind of, uh, in his words, let it go through all the different permutations dramatically so that you'll hear, you know, like he does this with the main title, right? But when he's training on Dagobah, he's... Right? He just does it a little little more sorrowfully. Um, even within the same theme, you know, you've got, even with Yoda's theme, you've got... Uh, where is it here? Um... Right, this is all kind of And then that's fine, but when he states it again later, he does it in a completely different way. He goes uh harmonically. This is all the same, right? But then he does this. Mm. And this is really interesting. Right. You know, like he he'll change it up even within the same theme. He'll just reorchestrate it to let it build to a different emotional place. He's constantly doing something under a melody in order to give it a little bit more, um, a little bit more, uh, or, or a different place emotionally. He's constantly taking on an emotional journey even through one theme, and and that and because he's able to reorchestrate like that, he's able to reuse themes in different ways. Um, it'd be like if I went, you know. Right, you know. Right, everyone knows that. But if you were suddenly to go like, you know, something like that, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Is, you know uh, what I mean? My favorite place to have dinner. Uh, the, exactly. Uh, exactly. The uh, piano player here. Exactly. Uh, doesn't mean Mary had a little lamb. It's, yeah, uh, and then you go like. You know, like, it's just, like, ridiculous. Yeah, baby, thanks so much for coming down. I just wanted to play a little bit of this uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb and then take you on a heroic journey. <laughs> right, so, like, he just... that That's a stupid, silly example of, like, you take something very simple, but you just do all this crazy uh, orchestration and, and harmony around it, and it takes on a completely different feeling, right? That's basically what he does, but, you know, on a, like, professional level. <laughs> um, baby, I just wanted to work in this melody, JJ, for, uh, I started work really, really well for uh, Mayor Ray. No, um, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, I think we're on to something here with some Star Wars dinner piano, you oh, know, yeah. that I can enjoy with some wine and brie. Oh, yeah. You know, something really nice. I would, I would love a place like that. Yeah, so anyway, um, he reorchestrates often in order to evoke different emotions. So um, that, that happens a lot. So it's kind of a nice counterbalance to our previous conversation about, you know, is he pulling from a bag of tricks? Well, yeah, but... There's a reason, you know, it's all about trying to get you to feel what the director wants you to feel at a very specific moment. And he is a master doing that, even when using the same melody 
within the same melody, he'll he'll take you on a journey from beginning to end, and and it'll change harmonically. All right, well, let's talk about the spreadsheet. Um, we'll do yes. some more listener feedback next time. Let's move straight into the Force Awakens, right? Um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about <laughs> themes. That means that the Force Awakens. When you hear the chime, Jimmy, when you hear the chime. That means it's time for the Force Awakens. So put down. You know, they what you're should doing. use that sound for the uh, the read along books where you listen to the recording and then when yeah. it's time to turn the page, you hear. Yeah. <laughs> no. You or you or you hear. Yeah. You just constantly hear. All right. Turn the page. Turn the page. <laughs> yeah. That's boy, what. Oh boy, that's what we're an idea factory between the Star Wars read along book and uh, uh, Star Wars dinner jazz. I, I think we're uh, going to be living in Fat City here pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take a steak and a uh, little side of uh, Ray's theme here. Delicious. All right. Um, so <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about. It's overdone. Now, so they start playing the immolation theme uh, yeah, oh, from exactly. episode three. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> and there are ties to uh, Force Awakens with episode three. I just, I just want to get back to episode three before we talk about them. So let's talk about the spreadsheet, right? Um, for those of you that are new to the show, every time we do a movie, almost every time, um, we, uh, we break down the themes by the numbers. How many times I count their appearance in the film. So this was revealing. I think I mentioned before that, um, that Ray's theme was the one that took the cake, right? That you heard Ray's theme more than anything else. Uh, that is absolutely true. So by my count, I heard Ray's theme 25 times in The Force Ooh, Awakens. In one film. In one film, 25 times. Now, okay, so how does that rank up with things like The Force theme, The Imperial March? Mm. Uh, how, does, how does that rank with, with, as far as usage in one film? So the usage in one film award for the, the theme that appeared most in one film, by far, still goes to the Imperial March in The Empire Strikes Back. The Imperial March, by my count, appeared at least on the soundtrack 41 times. Uh, of those 41 times, there were one, two, three, four that were cut. So let's say 37 times. That is still by far the most we've heard one theme in one movie is the Imperial March in The Empire Strikes Back. Um, some other examples historically, you know, we heard uh, Darth Vader's early theme, you know, the... Before the Imperial March existed, we heard that 17 times in the first uh, in the first movie. Here's an interesting one. In episode four, I said that we heard the Rebel fanfare, you know, which is the uh, uh, right. I said mm -hmm. I said we heard that 13 times. Now that I've been really debating that a lot because if you were to actually count every single time you heard ba da da ba 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 in the TIE fighter attack sequence, you know, bump, bump, mm. don't, that number would skyrocket, uh, probably close to Ray's theme, right? So I'm starting to revise my thoughts on it a little bit and go, well, actually, maybe we should actually count the fact that you hear it probably like, I don't know, at least six or eight times in that one scene alone. Um, and I just counted it once because I was like, well, mm. it's part of the same cue, but really, I mean, you hear it a ton. So for Ray's theme back to this, I'll give you the thing about race theme is it goes all over the place. So there's so many components to it, right? There's the, um, there's the bum, ba da dum, bum, ba da dum. And then there's the main melody, right? And then there's, um, there's also, 
You know, there's all that stuff. There's so many different parts to it, and they just are all over the film. Um, you hear it, obviously, uh, in the scavenger piece where she slides down the hill at the top. You hear it when she's making herself lunch. Um, you hear it during the introduction to Finn and Ray. Uh, what's your name? Finn. What's yours? I'm Ray. Uh, I didn't know there was this much green in the whole galaxy when they arrive on Takadana. Uh, when, again, in that same scene, Han offers Ray a job. Um, you know, you hear it a little bit right before the, the vision, the version or the, the vision that she has. And you hear it over the Maz's castle. You hear it when she's, you know, you hear it constantly in Starkiller base. And of course, then you get this huge reprise of it again as she's flying towards the island with Chewie. So you hear it constantly throughout. You hear it through the big Kylo Ren fight. It is by far and away the um, the main theme of that movie. Yes. Yeah, noticeable. Very noticeable. And, and that um, opening uh, riff, I don't know what to call it, opening sequence of the, the, the music where we attributed to the Celeste. Yes, yes. You know. Um, yeah, the Christmas, what I called it. That whole bit, yeah. Yes. I noticed on one of the Blu-ray documentaries that they actually used a synth in the scoring session for that that bit of music there at the beginning. Oh, it's very possible. Yeah. We'd have to listen to it again. Uh, in it surprised Ray's... me. It's, it surprised me, but what? sure enough, I mean, it was just a brief glimpse during one of those behind-the-scenes at the John Williams scoring session for The Force Awakens where you saw a guy playing that on a synth. And he was surrounded, you know, by the string and, and the horns oh, and everything. Oh, 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 but, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sorry. He is using a synth. So it is a Celeste or a Celeste, how, depending on how people pronounce it. But a Celeste is a, is a keyboard instrument that is actually triggering bells. They're very big. They're very expensive. They require a lot of maintenance. And most of the time nowadays, they just play a Celeste patch, a sample patch on a keyboard. Because... It's so much more reliable. It's going to be in tune. It's easy to plug in. They sound incredible. Um, and, you know, the thing about percussion in general is a lot of percussion, like bells and things, do really well with samples. Like, you, it's almost indistinguishable from, from the real thing. In fact, I think Hedwig's theme from Harry Potter was played on a synth. Ah. You know, that, and that's very much, you know... I played that earlier, but you know, that, that I believe was recorded on a synth as well. Um, for those of you that are real, uh, you know, diehard soundtrack listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I agree. I believe that's the case. So yes, you see a synth, but it's actually the Celeste. Um, and Celeste. he's playing a okay. Celeste patch. Right. Yep. Yep. Good, good observation though. That's, that's huge. Yeah, I've been meaning to tell you this for the longest time, but I, I definitely caught that because I think we, we were actually speculating that what, whether or not it was a legit, instrument or a synth back when the soundtrack came out so yeah um yeah it's it's uh it's a synth but it's it's a it's playing a celeste um and i think that's just kind of a modern recording technique of it um that would be my best guess um continuing on do you have any guesses for what the second most heard theme would be in the force awakens i love this part jimmy i live for this oh let me think well i i i'm leaning on a couple of them here um, but I'm just going to go with, ooh, I want to say Kylo, but I know that's not it. I think it might even be the uh, March of the Rebellion. It is Kylo. 
It is Kylo Ren. It is Kylo. Okay. It's just because the moments when they use his theme, to me, are so memorable. The two scenes with his shuttle landing, for example. The first time on Jakku, the second time on Takodana. Um, Those those instances right there really stand out to me. Mm -hmm. So it kind of makes other memories of the usage of that theme music a little muddy. Right. Um, but, but it's great music. I mean, it's just great. Yeah. See, right now you got me thinking, I'm trying to think, okay, where is it in the film? Where is it in the so film the, outside the, of those two examples I used? Yeah. So Kylo's first entrance on Jakku as he comes down the ship. Um, when Poe gets dropped to his knees, you hear it uh, stated twice. And the second time it's hushed as, as Kylo Ren squats down to meet him. Um, he walks back when Kylo Ren's walking back to his ship and he's staring down Finn, you know, cause Finn's standing there in horror. Um, uh, you hear it, uh, Ren wants the prisoner at the beginning of Poe's escape with Finn. You hear it when Kylo's ship lands, uh, at Takodana and, and begins the battle there. You hear it again when Kylo appears on the battlefield, uh, um, oh, yeah. right dur- during the surf, a droid, uh, spotted West headed with a girl. Wait. Yeah. Um, Kylo circles. That was that was my favorite stormtrooper in the whole the whole movie. That guy, I, I whoever provided the voice for that stormtrooper was just such a convincing and I mean really just amazing work. Mine too. <laughs> um, <laughs> ridiculous. Um, let's see. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Kylo interrogating Ray. You feel like he's the father you never had. Uh, it happens again uh, during Kylo to Snoke. I just need your guidance. Um, you know. Kylo marching quickly down the hall with troopers towards the bridge. You hear it, uh, you know, before the big uh, solo scene um, in the forest. I mean, and you, of course you hear it in the end titles. Um, so that is the next big one. Do you have any guesses for what would come after that? Oh, man. Well, um, I'm going to, I thought March of the Rebellion, so, or March of the, of the Resistance was it. Um, but now I'm, I'm losing a lot of confidence in myself. Mm. Um, let me think, let me think, let me think. I'll help you. So you can have March of the resistance. Fine. It's not March of the resistance. Um, these are more tried and true and it's actually two, uh, by my account that are at a tie for third place. Oh, well the force theme. Yeah, that's one. Okay. More traditional. And then, uh, Leia's theme or Han and Leia. Close. Uh, but not quite. More, even more classic. Even more classic. We were just talking um, about it in I don't, New Hope. I can't guess anymore. I'm out of guesses. <laughs> Does stop doing this to me, Jimmy. Jimmy says to David, "Please." <laughs> Always a quiz. Always a quiz. But that's fine. That's fine. The Rebel theme. The Rebels fanfare. Right. Uh, is is tied at 13 appearances with the Force theme. Um, you hear, you hear it a lot. Of course, um, you hear the garbage will do is the really big one, right? Um, you hear it a little bit sort of, I mean, maybe the force theme just edges out the rebels theme a little bit. Cause I counted one where at the beginning when he's like escaping through the hangar, he's like, keep calm. You know, he just, and he's like, I am calm. I was talking to myself. You hear a little bit of the string ostinato hinted at it underneathly. So that doesn't really count. So maybe the force theme kind of edges it out a little bit. But you mm. hear those quite a bit. Um, after that, I'm shocked. I'm shocked to hear that the the rebellion fanfare was used so many times because I, you know, 
I recognize. Oh wait, obvious wait. examples. When, like you said, when they ran toward the Falcon for the first time. But. Oh my God! You know what, Jimmy? I am going to hit the reset button here. I'm wrong. I'm totally wrong, and I'm a little embarrassed. I had a oh. weird, I had a weird copy paste error here. Oh, okay. Well, that's all right. You you get one mulligan per show. One mulligan per show. It's eight times with the Rebels theme. Oh, okay. All right. I think we'll forgive you on that count. But so eight times. One of those times, it's stated three times in a row, and that's when the Falcon comes in on Starkiller Base really, really quickly. Right. So it's used a lot when the Falcon appears. Right. Obviously, the garbage will do. That's the first really big statement of it. Uh, the Falcon reveal. Um, mm -hmm. Have you ever flown this thing? No, the ship hasn't flown in years. You hear it there. I'm going low. And the Falcon does that crazy upside down shot, you know, from the first trailer, the Thanksgiving trailer. You hear it there. Yeah. Um, you hear it when it takes off into hyperspace and is escaping Kanji Club. Um, and then, of course, you hear it uh, twice in the end titles, or actually three times in the end titles. So that kind of buffers it up a little bit, too. So, no, it is the Force theme over the Rebel fanfare. I was wrong. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> For everyone is uh, now exchanging money again, you know, uh, yeah. not, not that we uh, support or uh, encourage anyone to actually place bets on the Force Awakens music spreadsheet, but uh, eh, go ahead. if you do, you know, be sure to give us our 10% cut. Exactly. Um, there are a couple of others. This is actually really interesting. Uh, coming in just behind that. Kylo seemed to have three themes, and the one that was like, da 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 dum dum remember that? That sort of... That one? Uh, mm -hmm. That You hear that 10 times. You hear the low sort of da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You only hear that twice. You hear it during the Jedi mind trick that Ray does on uh, James Bond. And then you hear it again in the end, <laughs> end titles. Um... You hear, you brought up Han and Leia. I'm glad you did that. So you hear Leia's theme four times for her first appearance. And then uh, when she says, you think I want to forget our son? I want him back. And then, uh, you know, um, you know, as, as much as you made me nuts, it was always hard to, you know, I hated watching leave. Well, that's why I did it. So you'd miss me. You hear it there. And then you hear it when Ray says goodbye to Leia at the end. Han Solo and the princess, you hear when they first meet, you change your hair, same jacket. Uh, and then for the hug, if you see our son, bring him home. And then when Ray and Leia embrace, acknowledging the loss of Han. So twice in the theme or in the movie, Leia and Han's theme are linked. And just like in Empire Strikes Back. In fact, this reminds mm -hmm. me of another fan email that we got about the first three or, you know, the first notes, right? Right. Um, those first notes uh, are the same, right? In... Uh, in uh, in Princess Leia's theme as, oh, excuse me, right? Um, those are the same. And then someone, of course, also pointed out in Indiana Jones, right? Right. So he, that seems to be like his uh, romantic interval there, major sixth. So, uh, yeah, you hear those kind of linked. Um, but then there's a couple of other little things that I thought I'd point out. You hear the Imperial March really once on the close-up of Vader's burn helmet, but you hear kind of hear that bum da 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 dump da 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 dump when Kylo Ren is walking down the ramp when he appears uh, in in Jakku. Yes, and then uh, Poe has kind of a theme. We talked about that, you know da 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 bum bum bum. 
you hear that really just four times. You hear it uh, three times in the movie and then the fourth time in the credits. Um, I feel like over three times, it's a theme. The Falcon theme, I counted eight times. Bump, 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 bump. You remember that, right, Jimmy? Yes, yes, yeah. We we did. We covered that. We really dug underneath the surface of that piece of music, and so I knew that was going to come up on the list at some point because I recall hearing it. Well, you know, I I during the uh, the uh, pursuit, the uh, first order pursuing uh, Finn and Ray on Jakku. Mm -hmm. Then uh, again, on board the Falcon, again, when the Falcon is uh, seen, when they return to the Falcon during the Rathtar escape, Mm -hmm. you hear it right when they come across the Falcon again. And then, of course, it's played during the finale. So that's half of the eight times. Yes, exactly. Um, I got an interesting email from Robert Lopez about the Falcon theme, by the way. Can I just share that with you really quickly? Please. Um, he was like, it just occurred to me that the what you're calling the Falcon theme, which, by the way, on the soundtrack, I will point out again, is called the Falcon, <laughs> which is why I call it that, is similar to the deleted music from the Ice Planet Hoth cue, uh, which we played, you know, uh, in the last volume in my presentation. That also plays when you see the Falcon and you're coming into the Hoth hangar. He goes, and, you know, Bobby was wondering, is there a connection there? I don't want to play this for you, Jimmy, because I, I don't, I honestly can't decide. I don't know. But, uh, so here's when, uh, Han enters the hangar here after, uh, Luke gets attacked and you hear this music. Right? This right here, all over the Falcon. Is there any similarity there with... What do you think? I hear a similarity. I can't quite put my finger on it. The tempo is obviously a little bit different, but right. um, th- they are. there is a relationship between those two compositions. It's almost like he took the asteroid field and the arrival on Hoth and kind of combined them. Because there are some odd time signatures, you know, in the arrival on Hoth, and uh, just like there is in the... Um, uh, in the Falcon queue. Um, but I thought that was an interesting, uh, and there's some orchestration similarities too. You know, they both have that kind of, uh, malady type of sound, uh, you know, a lot of winds and, and sustained strings and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, uh, that was interesting. The Falcon theme other than that. Yeah. Resistance March five times. Scherzo for X wings only three times. Resistance only five times. Only Why am I hearing times. it like 25 times when I watch the movie? Because it really doesn't kick in until the second half and the latter part of the second half of the film. But yet, for some reason, I, I just, I think this film is saturated in that music, but only five times I'm disappointed. You know what it might be? Actually, you're bringing up a good point, which is just because it only appeared a small number of times, that doesn't take into account how it was framed. So I would say, A, the Resistance March is really featured um, heavily in the mix. Um, 
and is, you know, used as a montage of everyone getting ready and things like that. And, and then B, um, it doesn't account for the amount of time you're in one cue because the resistance march is long. You know, it's got a long melody. Bum, 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 bum. I mean, it goes and goes and goes and goes. So screen time wise, it probably feels more like it's just five instances, right? You hear it when uh, Black Squadron arrives uh, on Takadana. You hear it when the X-Wings fly to the Ilenium system. You hear it when they're trying to figure out how to get onto Starkiller base as underscore, you know, uh, at, at the Ilenium base. And then you hear it when they're getting ready to take off into battle. And then, of course, again, in the end titles, like the concert version. Um, but when you hear those, they're significant, right? And that's probably why it feels like such a big deal, because it is. You know, the numbers don't right, reveal right. everything, in other words. Might only be featured five different times, but big those, those five times are big, healthy chunks of the composition. Yeah. You're hearing a lot of it. Yeah. In those in those sequences. So I get it. I get it. I think so. so. I'd like I'd like you to next break it down to exact, you know, number of seconds each track is no? You don't have time for that? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'll get right on that here. Um yeah, <laughs> uh, that might take me take me a little while. Um a couple of other things. I I saw or I heard some other really interesting uh things that I picked up on. You know, BB-8 seems to have like a little thing that happens when he's, you know, uh, when he's on screen. Um, this kind of thing, you know, those flutes. Here they are again. You know, he's got he's got those mm. kind of things going on every once in a while, you know, uh, when he meets Finns and we almost Finn when he almost trips a guy. It's really just kind of, I think, more of a texture than a theme. So I wouldn't really call it a, a theme. But every time they mention BB-8 or the map, it gets a little woodwind-esque. Um, and uh, so I was kind of tracking that a little bit, but I don't know if it's enough to call it a theme. And then other than that, I kind of heard something for the First Order, but... Um, let me see what you think of this. I, I heard something, you know, when you get this opening shot of the star, star destroyer going past the frame, obviously, um, right here, it's this sort of horn line. Right. And so on and so forth. That's obviously the top of the movie. Um, but you hear it again when the TIE fighters evading missiles in space, you kind of hear brass in the middle of an action cue, kind of quoting that, bop, 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 bop. And then, you, which kind of reminds me of the Death Star reveal in episode four. Um, you hear it on the first establishing shot of Starkiller base. Um, and you hear it on begin charging the weapon, you know, oh no, that's actually Hux who says that. But anyway, so other than that, it's pretty straightforward. I heard a couple things, but there might be some some other things for listeners to start tracking on their own if they want to want to go check out those moments. But that's the uh, that's the spreadsheet, man. So let me get this right. We haven't really established a theme for BB-8 yet. We've established some moods that get set by some uh, woodwinds. That sound kind of nautical to me, you know, almost as if I could hear the buoy off in the distance. Yeah. Clanging. Um, but, uh, but there's been no real theme established for BB-8, nor for the first order that we're really aware of. But I find that interesting because I didn't know that that music from the opening shot of those shuttles coming out of that star destroyer over Jakku, I, I never noticed that that music did repeat itself 
throughout the film. It's really subtle. Albeit subtly at times, but yeah, I I think I'm going to have to sit down and watch uh, TFA again with uh, ears fully open because uh, that's a revelation to me. I didn't realize that that music had been repeating itself. Well, it's, it's kind of up for debate. Right. I, I don't want to say it definitively. I think that it's I think that those textures show up every time there's you cut back to the resistance. That's kind of the giveaway. Right. Right. Like you're following one storyline and they go, meanwhile, and there'll be an establishing shot of something and you'll hear a brass texture that's very similar to that opening. Do you really call that a theme? I don't know. But it's it's something that I noticed when I was really listening critically that, you know, John Williams was doing to kind of let us know right away, okay, you're back with the First Order, but it's not necessarily a First Order theme. Um, And then, of course, I, I counted the Jedi Steps as its own theme, even though it only appears once. It's just like you said with the Resistance, it's kind of a huge, huge statement in the most emotionally charged part of the film. So it's kind of its own thing. Um. Uh, and I just had a couple more things uh, before we wrapped up, Jimmy. One is that um, someone brought up that the credits on the Blu-ray are different than the credits in the movie in terms of the music. Have you have you heard this? Do you know what, you're, you know what I'm talking about? I have about? heard this, but I have not investigated this yet. Okay. Um, simply put, uh, the music... Let me see if I can bring it up here. They The credits, I believe, are longer on the Blu-ray than they were... Uh, on in uh, the theaters, right? So when you're watching at home, you suddenly notice like, oh wait, there's a there's like extra stuff in here, and you can actually hear the music at it. I think you can. Um, but basically, what they did is they cut in, um, Scherzo. What did they do? Yeah, they cut in Scherzo for X Wings when it wasn't there before, right? So Scherzo for X Wings, which only appears three times, uh, only appeared twice in theaters, but appears three times on Blu-ray. Um, and you know, I won't play it just for time, but, um, cause it's long, but see if you can spot it, you know, see if you can kind of hear the difference and remember if you were to remove that out, you would have kind of what you have on the soundtrack and you can really compare and contrast those two. Uh, the soundtrack sounds like it was just one piece continually scored this. You can actually hear, they drop this in in order to extend the end credits. And then, uh, I just had one other thing. This is kind of a little treat. You know how we talk about deleted music? Mm-hmm. This is, uh, this is uh, as far as I can tell, um, a really obvious, or at least to me, was kind of an obvious example of something that was probably cut. But here's the caveat I'll give uh, on this, which is that I haven't read this. I just think it screams, oh yeah, there was music here and it was cut. Um, and this is when we first see Ray. Um now, if you were to describe how you first meet Ray, do you remember it uh, pretty well? You know, the very first shot. What's the first thing you see? Well, she's scavenging within the Star Destroyer and uh, rappelling down that rope. Right. And uh, and do you remember when music first kind of uh, creeps in? Do you hear music creep? I, the only, when she starts drinking the water outside, you start to hear the scavenger. That's it. That's it. That's that's when the music comes in, right? Yeah. So here, let me play. Let's just play this. I, I pulled the soundtrack from the movie here. So here's a close-up of her mask, right? And she's looking around. Switch, switch to a wider shot here. And it, you suddenly start to see, uh, in J.J. fashion, you know, as he pulls out and pulls out and pulls out, pulls out, he reveals where we are, which is in an old, broken Star Destroyer. She rappels down to the hangar floor. 
Tons of reverb. Tons of dust settling. She walks outside. And she puts her stuff down and pulls off her mask. Right here. String was with flute as we show our female lead. Our heroine for the movie. And then now, down the hill. Right, so that's how it appears in the movie. Now, for those of you that have the soundtrack and have listened to it a million times, as, as many of us have, you'll notice that that music is from a cue called The Scavenger, track two. Well, yes. you know, it begs the question when you listen to it, what's all this extra music at the top? Let's take a listen. Low strings, ominous. Woodwind here. And then here comes the music. Jimmy, what is all that music at the top? <laughs> yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I, I believe that was supposed to be scoring that sequence where she's scavengering. She's being the scavenger and uh, looking through the Star Destroyer. So yeah, I think you're on to something here. I think we're ready for another Star Wars Celebration panel, restored music of The Force Awakens. As well as A New Hope and Return of the Jedi and some of the other ones we've played. I, I agree. I'd love to do a second panel if people are interested of all the other all stuff the that above. we didn't get to, yeah. Do you want to hear it? I mixed it back in. Of course! A Rebel Force Radio exclusive. Let's take a listen <laughs> to what the Force Awakens potentially could have sounded like on the scoring stage when John Williams scored this scene. Interesting, right? What does that well, do I think emotionally? You, uh, crack the code here. I think you have restored music that was originally intended to be there. I think it's clear, clear as day. Now, here's the thing. How do you prefer it? I mean, do you prefer it with the music or without? This is a question I always ask myself. Should they have done this? And in this case, I say yes, because you're introducing us to a character 
who is alone and is isolated. And I think the silence surrounding her day-to-day activities is appropriate. You know, she's on the job. She's by herself. She has nobody else to support or she has no one else taking care of her. It's all herself. So to leave her alone in the silence as she goes about her day-to-day routine, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and you hear the kind of emptiness, the isolation of the Star Destroyer, and you get a hint that she's in a giant space before you see that she's in a giant space. One of the things that Doug Chang talked about in one of my panels, The Art of Force Awakens at Celebration, was J.J. loves to start out on a tight shot and then show you a little more in the next shot and then show you a little more in the next shot and then really surprise you in the last few shots with where you actually are. And that's what he does in this sequence. Starts with a super tight shot on Ray. It's a mystery. Then he gives you a little bit more, a little bit more, and then you start to see, oh my God, is she in a star? Or is that scavenger in a star destroyer oh my god oh it's like someone going through the wreck of of you know the old uh civil war oh my god that's so cool and then it isn't until you know went for more dramatic impact when she pulls off the mask and suddenly you you hear that uh flute line and you realize this is our our hero um i love that and um i i think you know this could be another example i would if i had to guess if i was pressed to guess i think they went for coverage here you know, go ahead and cover this and, and we'll decide later, you know, um, and uh, they scored it and decided it was more effective without it, clearly. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, to hear what John Williams intended there uh, that we didn't get to see in theaters. David W. Collins, always inspiring to hear you talk about Star Wars music and the music of John Williams. Every month here on Rebel Force Radio, uh, we uh, appreciate all of your efforts and uh Looking forward to getting back into episode three again. I've had a kind of a uh, desire to watch episode three lately, so uh, I'm definitely going to sit there and keep my uh, ear open for the music because that is a super rich soundtrack. I'm looking forward to talking more about that. It's fantastic. Thank you to our sponsors, Little Debbie Snack Cakes and the Tops Star Wars Card Trader app. You can email us, show at rebelforceradio.com. Be sure to send us an email um, to Oxygen. Put that in the subject line, Oxygen, and I'll pass it along to David. Uh, Leave us a voicemail, 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. Find us on Twitter, at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, and at David W. Collins, Sands Radio. Uh, Facebook is the place to uh, go, the uh, official Rebel Force Radio Facebook page for breaking news, links to stories, and great conversation, along with the official Rebel Force Radio Facebook group. Talk to fellow Rebel Force Radio listeners. Some of the greatest Star Wars fans you'll ever come in contact with are members of the official Rebel Force Radio Facebook group. The official website for all things Rebel Force Radio is, of course, rebelforceradio.com. Find us on iTunes, subscribe and review, make it good. That's Rebel Force Radio for the weekly Rebel Force Radio, Star Wars Oxygen, Star Wars Influences, our film commentary series with Sam Witwer, and so much more. You can find Rebel Force Radio at WGMPlus.com, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, just about any place you'll find those crazy podcasts. And uh, Rebel Force Radio is an official friend of Wikipedia. You want to go there if you're looking for... Information on Star Wars characters, planets, and more. David, thank you again so much. Uh, as I said, looking forward to uh, talking about Sith with you. 
Yeah, man. I can't wait. I'm really, really excited to get back to Revenge of the Sith. Such an operatic score. Uh, we're going to move into the second half of the movie and kind of maybe do a recap of where we've been and uh, continue that great conversation as well. Awesome, David. Really looking forward to it. So thank you again for putting together a quality show. David W. Collins, on behalf of Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. At the sound of the tone, the Force will be with you.